0: Okay, so I am so fucking pumped up right now. I literally just got rid of all these extra subscriptions, MailChimp, Zapier, no more Google spreadsheets, no more Text Magic and Scipio. I was able to get rid of all of those because now I have Flex. You guys have heard me talk about Flex before. Flex is my website and Sierra management solution that I utilize. And I'm so fucking, like, the reason I love Flex so much is because I had a hand in creating it. You guys know that Joe Tabaldi, who's my branding and marketing coach, he is the founder of Flex. And I've been able to work with him side by side to create a product that is gonna help the owners of the micro gym industry fucking win. With Flex, not only do I have a website that's perfectly on brand and not some common template that every other fucking micro gym in my town has, but now I've got a CRM that allows me to manage all the communication and touch points of someone going from the lead stage to the prospect stage to the buying stage, and my entire staff has all the recipes and campaigns laid out in front of them so that everybody gets a consistent client experience. Most you guys would agree you're doing a great job with the client experience. Once they're a member in your gym, they're happy. But what you're not owning is the prospect experience. All the touch points that take someone from the very first impression, whether it's a Facebook ad tied to one of your flex landing pages, or whether they go to your website, or Google, whatever it may be, from that first impression to the actual membership. All that white space in between is where we are dropping the ball. And I know the competition is getting fierce. You've got multi-million dollar boutique fitness facilities opening up in your market, and Flex gives you the weapon in your arsenal so that you can create a better prospect experience than the other guys. So go to flexx.co backslash WTF and get a demo of Flex to see how this piece of software can change your entire fucking life for you and your micro gym. F-L-E-X-X.co backslash W-T-F. You will not be disappointed. I fucking guarantee it. Alrighty, guys. What is up? It is Stu. And it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. I have DJ Hiller. This is... um. How many podcasts have you been on? Because it's different when you interview everybody <laughs> and you go on a podcast. It's, kind
1: it's, of- so, it's so different. I've recorded over 100, and I've only been on three or four maybe. So I'm, I'm trying to get used to being on the other side of things. So I'm going to do my of- best not to ask you questions, but I'll try to do my best to answer. <laughs> no,
0: but that's, that's the main thing. Like a podcast, like it needs to be very conversational. That's when you get the good inputs and outputs. And when you hit topics, you otherwise wouldn't well have. But if you would, for everybody, just give them a quick background, who you are, what you do, why it's important.
1: Yeah. So, um, my name is DJ Hillier. I'm a head coach at my CrossFit gym here in Lakeville, Minnesota. Uh, I played high school sports, loved training in high school, then played college football as well. After college football ended, I needed an outlet to do something competitive, still like to train. That's where I found CrossFit and got into it really deep. Uh, started to coach right away and kind of climb the ladder at my gym and then also really dive into the competing side of things. And I had the opportunity to compete, uh, at multiple regionals on a team and then also the CrossFit games in 2016 on a team. Um, since then, we've moved to gyms and kind of uh, grown our community pretty, uh, pretty big. And uh, yeah, great things are happening at our gym in Lakeville. And um, as for me, I'm looking to kind of grow as a coach, still competing on the side whenever those competitions come back, uh, rise from from everything that's going on, and then also yeah, growing the growing the uh, the podcast as well.
0: So your full-time gig is coaching and then you obviously the podcast as well. And then is there any, is there any work outside of that?
1: Yeah, just mainly, um, doing classes, personal training, and then also online coaching, remote coaching as well. So between those three and then the podcast, those are kind of my four buckets that I try to balance as well as I can. How old are you? I'm 28,
0: 28. Okay, cool. So at 28 uh, is the competition thing still live and well within you like you like again you look at crossfit as a fitness regimen you, you partake in or you look at crossfit as a sport you train for
1: yeah, it's definitely a sport that I train for right now. Um, and it's been the the fire, I would say, was more lit in 2014, 15 and 16. Um, when competitions were going, I was a little bit younger and didn't have any as many responsibilities per se. But I would still like to compete at some level at some point. I like to do that. I like to get my name out there a little bit as well. And it helps to train for something when I like to, you know, go balls to the wall in a workout or push it in the gym. I like to know that I'm training for an event. So unfortunately, right now, with everything shut down, it's kind of been just a standstill, but we'll see what happens.
0: Is there, you know, when you think about like being competitive, right? I played lacrosse in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you give me, even today, if I were to go, go to my favorite Irish pub and play cornhole, I will fuck your shit up. And <laughs> even if I lose um, and I'm still going to be competitive about it. At what point for you with your training does uh, the competition side – I mean does it just live like – there are people that do 5Ks and 10Ks every weekend. They're runners, Mm -hmm. and they like signing up for a race and putting that on the map, and that's what they Mm -hmm. train for. And then there's people who are training for like a Boston Marathon spot and would love to get fucking sponsored by ASICs. Like for you is competition, like I want to ascend to that level on the professional side, or do I want to stay amateur and do it as a fun thing a couple times per year?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Stu, because I feel like it's a little bit of both. Like, I'm not at a point where I can make money, make it a job, and compete that way, but I also. You can yeah very, it's very, it's so and i wish more people knew that quite honestly but and i'm also i don't think i'm at the point when it's you know just local gym competition stuff uh, just being being able to compete at regionals in the games my my fitness level is a little bit higher than that so if, if there's things like regionals if those come back or the sanctionals that's kind of the level i'm at but i also really try to dial in like i have two hours from one to three that's my block to train stew anything that doesn't get done doesn't get done and i walk away from the gym and i try not to like let it affect me the rest of the day. Whereas the old me, I think would have tried to force in a bunch of added volume or stay at the gym super late. I'm like, I'm locked in one to three, whatever gets done is whatever gets done.
0: It, you you said some super interesting. You said I wish more people knew that. When I made the comment that like you know nobody makes money doing this, like and when I mean nobody, I mean literally nobody minus the point zero 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 one percent. It's not a sport. It's like when someone's like, uh I'm a, I'm professional Olympic weightlifting. I'm like, oh, so you're broke, right? And you're poor. I get exactly. It. I get it. Which it, yep. it's not a bad thing. It's just unfortunately there's sports out there nobody gives a fuck about. Then there's a lot Absolutely. of them. It's not a it's not a knock on CrossFit. So, is that when you make that statement? Are you saying that people in your conversations with the layman do they believe that, like, oh, DJ went to regionals in 2016, dude's got he's probably got some sponsor? Like, are there people who really believe that this is a professional level sport to the degree that even a semi pro, like, you can finish 45th? At a PGA tournament and walk away with a $300,000 check.
1: Right. And that's not the case for CrossFit at all. And yes, to to answer your your question, I do think that I think that people have the understanding that even if they get to the games that all these sponsorships show up and in reality, that's just that's just not how it is. I mean, think about the people that there's probably I don't know, 15 men and women, I would say that can do CrossFit full time and make money on that and all that without a side gig. I think everybody else is either coaching, doing some programming of some sort, or they have a gig set up where I don't know, somebody's either paying them or giving them uh, you know, money for rent. They have a nice situation set up where they can train for hours on end. But the the numbers are very few, far in between. But I think the unfortunate parts too is that people see the fronings and the phrasers on YouTube and they want to aspire to that or they think that everybody's like that. In reality, I, I wish that more people understood that that, that isn't reality
0: that blows me away. Like I, maybe it's just obviously I have a, a bias looking inward, but like I would never look at, um, a professional sport. And I would say CrossFit's still working to be viewed as a professional sport. Like, I agree. You know, you could check the box that percentage of people get paid, check the box, their sponsorship, check the box on several of those different avenues. But when there's a professional sport and then 16,000 mini amateur recreational versions of it, I, I do think that I, I swear to God, and I say this all the time, I think CrossFit being dual branded as a recreational exercise program and also the name of the the sport is a problem. Like in UFC, there's the UFC and then there's MMA. It's a separation of the two. But when every, you have 16,000 gyms, let's say with an average of 150 clients at each one, you have that many people going around like, I do CrossFit. And then guys like maybe you and above that are like, well, I'm trying to do CrossFit professionally. People are like, oh, my cousin does that in Ohio. That's adorable. Oh, that's so much fun. Your little wads. Wads, is it wads or wads? Like, you just get lumped in with that entire thing. I think.
1: It yes, makes- dude. That This is one of my favorite topics, dude. And it's something that I try to get on my podcast quite often, whether it's I'm interviewing somebody or I'm interjecting myself. I think I, it's something I want to just keep echoing to people. So on this platform, I just want to take a second to do that as well and talk about oh. there's a difference between CrossFit the sport and CrossFit the training methodology because even though they have the same name, like you said, they are so different. And I wish that that this would be talked about more, whether it's people that are in the sports can step up and say that because they have a bigger platform or podcasters or influencers like you and I, just to be a little bit more vocal about. Those are two very different things. At my gym, yes, we do CrossFit, but we don't do handstand pushups, handstand walking, muscle ups. We don't do these higher skill movements. I'm not training and programming for you guys to be good at the open and to go compete somewhere. We're just trying to get good at CrossFit but I'm not going to yeah. push the envelope past where we need to be. So there's a big difference between those two. I'm very, you can tell, very passionate about this oh, topic.
0: I get it. We dropped uh, so, you know, Urban Movement went the license model. So we've been dropping a lot of our programming content because a lot of people were just like, wait, you just do CrossFit, but slower, right? So I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Now I got to dunce these kids and fucking make a bunch of content. <laughs> we have to talk this shit through. Um, and we did the one today. We've got like three movements. It's like a three-part series. And the, the first one was like, why we don't do handstand push-ups? And we think kipping handstand push-ups looks like you're invertedly trying to suck your own dick. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, anyway, so I'm, I'm 100% on board with you there. So walk me through, um, your are coaching, you're, what's your title at the, at the gym?
1: I'm the director of training at, at MyFi Fitness CrossFit Lakeville. So we kind of have a dual name, but we go by MyFi Fitness.
0: Okay. So we got uh, DOT, director of training, and MyFive also became MyFit podcast.
1: Yep. So yeah, that's how, that's how it started was I wanted it to be an umbrella under the gym and help get the name out for the gym. And the owner of the gym was able to help me with just some startup money, things like that. So I wanted to create a collaboration from the gym. Is
0: this a separate entity? Do you have an LSC behind this?
1: I don't, no, okay. um, not yet.
0: And I, my question was this, you're obviously the talent. I don't know, what's the owner's name? Andrew. Okay, so I'm pretending that Andrew, Andrew's here and I'm talking with Andrew and I'm like, cool, Andrew. Again, business owner, business owner on that, I'd be like, you kicked DJ off, you gave him some startup cash, you let him use the brand name and tied into the podcast, get a little mm-hmm. bit of recognition, but we can all say that probably the, I've seen the clientele of people you've interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a great mm-hmm. list, like you're, you're doing amazing things with the podcast. There's going to be a point where that track is going to go like this. It's not going to be parallel. And I don't care how much you fucking want it to be. It won't because once a podcast, it wants a fucking brick and mortar gym. There's no way those businesses go parallel. So Mm what point do you have to do what other content creators do? I just got done interviewing a guy named Bruce Williams. He's a local. He's a a really well-known cross photographer on the East Coast. Oh, cool. he went all in on his photography, right? He had to leave his full-time job. Do you ever picture a day when you may unfortunately have to leave the profession of coaching because your content machine that you've created becomes its own monster?
1: Man, that that's, um, that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that in that way just because – right now it's small and my coaching is very big and coaching is what pays the bills. Coaching is my passion. If it got to that point, I think what, what a great opportunity that would be. I think, um, yes, to answer your question shortly, I would jump on that in a heartbeat. What a, what a cool way to, you know, make money and, and learn from other people. I would definitely be open to that. I think that is an interesting topic though, of when do you dive away and what does that look like? And are you your own brand or is it the DJ Hillier podcast or, you know, when do you kind of go that way? A a mentor of mine, Michael Cashew, who actually got me kind of started and inspired me to create my own podcast. He was under the brute strength podcast, made it really big, 200 plus episodes, so many downloads, one of my favorite podcasts I've heard. And then he switched recently to the Michael Kaz podcast. And again, he was still, he's the founder of brute, but he just knows that that's not, he's not under that umbrella. And he has a lot of different ideas and passions and motivations that maybe don't follow under just health and fitness. He has other, other people that he wants to interview. So for him it was a natural divide, and after I heard him, you know, start to do that too, I started to think to myself, well, how many episodes does that take? When does that need to, when does that road or does that crossroads really happen?
0: yeah i think you know and again i'm, I'm interject i just can't not do this i'm interjecting business advice you didn't ask for but at i appreciate some it point, at some point you will get the legit sponsorship opportunities will come to it where you're able to charge a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars for a sponsored episode because you're gonna be sitting in um kelly starrett's living room and interviewing him kind of scenario right mm. but uh that that won't really help the gym right so then at right. some point it's just gonna be like hey I've laid a foundation. You've got 200 plus episodes now of, from the, MyFit podcast, let me train the next person to kind of come on as a co-host. And mm. then I can slowly exit stage, right. And then Very pursue cool. the DJ show, whatever that sure. ends up being. Mm-hmm. And then there's really no re need for this to get super messy. So if mm. I'm Andrew, Andrew, when you're listening to this, bro, you've got an amazing <laughs> gem and a coach here and an awesome <laughs> content creator. Um, but be thinking about the bench. Be Absolutely. thinking about the bench because I'll tell you this right now. You're at 100 uh, over 100 episodes. Your mm-hmm. client, your your list of individuals is getting is is getting very awesome, um, and has been. Uh, when when uh, I came on yours, I told you I was very impressed with what, what you've you. done, which is obviously why I wanted to have you on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not if. It's when, so I know mm-hmm. you said you hadn't really been thinking about it. Start fucking thinking about it. Absolutely. We'll do Start playing checker just gotcha. checkers. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about podcasts. It's so fun. Like I never, you know, I think I told you on, on when uh, I was on yours, I never listened to podcasts. I was never a consumer of podcasts. I'm still not really more now during the pandemic than I ever have been, but uh, it was just never a thing. And when I think about what it does for me from a monetary standpoint, 2021 will be the first year that we go full into sponsorship with the podcast, with the traveling cool. long form show we do. But beyond that, mm-hmm. it's more of a mouthpiece for me to to talk my talk, spread my ideas, and then it's uh, it's indirectly monetized through coaching consulting licensing whatever the fuck it may be for you essentially this is 100 i get to talk to cool fucking people i get to perfect the craft of being a public orator and interviewer and i get to drive value to this brand do you ever have anyone like so you have a podcast wait but how do you make money from that like like you have anyone like ever questioned the validity of your gig because and ask you like oh well how much money do you make doing it and then you have to kind of like our crossfit conversation you have to bring them back down the reality and explain to them that This is not a paid gig.
1: Yeah, this is a topic that gets brought up quite often. It's very timely that you ask this because I just had this conversation today. And the idea, you know, when I got into it, I, of course, I wanted to make monetize it somehow. I didn't know. I just knew Barbell shrug. I knew the Brute Strength Podcast. I knew Joe Rogan. I knew all these guys that have, you know, millions of downloads, thousands of, and hundreds of downloads. And I thought, well, if I just get started, we'll just build and we'll kind of see what happens. And I think along the way, I thought I quickly found out that in order to be um, a podcast that makes significant money, you got to be at the top of the game. I think somebody said recently that there's a million podcasts out right now?
0: 750,000.
1: Okay, so getting close to a million shows. I mean, that's so many shows out there and I think there's the cream of the crop or there's only a select few at the top that are actually making money similar to what we said with CrossFit so um, yeah to go back to your question this is something that I talk about a lot because right now I'm not making money on it it's a side gig that I'm very passionate about selfishly I learned so much every single week from all these different types of coaches entrepreneurs athletes um, authors speakers writers everybody out there and so it's, so it's more of a passion and at some points do I need to figure out how to how to monetize it. And that's something that I'm not really as well versed within. And I'm just kind of open to uh, learning a little bit more about what I've been told from some from people that do make money with podcasts was um, stay consistent, make sure you don't miss a week and have people on that you're very interested in. That's going to make the show grow those two pieces of advice. And then once you get into the 100 200 plus episodes, uh, that's when things start to roll and things the the monetization starts to come together.
0: I've got a very unique take on the monetization of a podcast. So again, like I said, mine's always been indirect. So like from day one, the only pre-roll I ever ran was pre-roll for Micro Gym University, the self-made summit, my own shit, right? So it's always been self-fulfilling. I always know that it's it's driven traffic in. However, like I mentioned, we're something to do with this long form one, right? So in the, in the pandemic, I started listening to more shit. And then like, I listened to Guy Raz, like nobody story tells a business story, like NPR's podcast, how I built this. Okay. Nobody. I think it's absolutely, it's the most unique version. Go listen to the one he did with Peloton or any of the fitness brands out there, TRX, just the way they narrate that story is unlike any interview style. They had Logic, the rapper. I'm a huge Logic fan before he retired, you know? Absolutely. Um, So I started listening to more of this, you know, obviously Rogan uh, has done an amazing thing in long form, but uh, you know, uh, Lewis Holmes, you know, he's an, he's an amazing interviewer, a uh, Tim Ferriss kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And I look at it very differently. I look at it as it's not uh, the not a download you get are going to be there, but I look at it like how YouTubers are. You mentioned like a million, 750,000. It doesn't really matter. By the time we get off this podcast, it probably <laughs> will be a million registered podcasts. But. It's only the top 0.5% in any genera- in any field really makes money, and if you look at the ones that did it, if I look at YouTubers, why does Casey Neistat make more money on YouTube than most or Mr. Mm-hmm. Beast or any of these other guys or David Dobrik's? It's because they did it differently, and I, I, again, I was a YouTuber guy like, where I'd be like, well, David Do- Dobrik does these wildly funny vlogs that are only four minutes and 20 seconds. Anybody will watch a 4-minute and 20-second video on YouTube. Anybody. So his capture of everybody is 100% watching because mm. it was super short form. He was the king of short form vlogs. And then you had other vlogs like these 20-minute vlogs because they were able to get multiple ad spots in oh, YouTube. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like there were these different strategies. I look at the podcast as similar. You know, Since Rogan switched over to Spotify, he has mid-roll. I don't know if you've listened to any of Rogan's stuff yep. since he switched yep. over. He has mm-hmm. mid-roll. He's mm-hmm. never, he never had mid-roll before. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you know, there's also, I don't know about you. I think there's disruption in the way ads are done. I mean, okay. You listen to a Rogan podcast. What's the first thing you're doing with your thumb? Yeah. scrolling through the the, 15 second (laughs) second, (laughs) second, fast forward. Right. Advertisers know that, but they're at Mm -hmm. the mercy of like, well, what else is there? I think there's also a great opportunity for guys like you and me, smaller players, more jet skis to have strategic sponsors for certain people. So for example, if you're going to interview Kelly Surratt, I would then go to the rumble roller or, uh, you know, some kind of lacrosse ball, some kind of mobility fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm interviewing Kelly Starrett. I'm going to do It's what I'm going to do a long form thing. I will natively interject your product into our conversation. Mm-hmm. That way it's actually a part of the conversation instead of like, all right, and pause for five minutes. And then like, and because what does everyone do as soon as they hear roll? They scroll fast forward. forward through the roll. Mm-hmm. So I think there's opportunities there. I've had these ideas. So I'm doing the long form thing. And I've got an idea of what I'm going to charge and to cover my travel costs and my time and things like that. And I've got the guest list and these are people I already had one good conversation with that. Like me now, mm-hmm. we're like, we're on text message friends. Now I know I can come to them and say, Hey, can I come to your house and wherever? And I'm going to bring my gear and I want to do a long form. I want to talk to you for like two and a half, three hours.
1: Wow. That'd be cool, man. I'm looking and, forward and, to
0: that. Yeah. And then like, okay, who does that person align with brand wise? What brand would salivate at the, at the, and then just go snipe and just be like, hey, brand X, I'm going to be interviewing this person. You guys align very fucking well. Have you ever gotten him to be able to advertise your shit? They'd be like, Mm -hmm. no, he won't even talk to us. Guess what? I've got fucking access. I've already got an appointment booked, a three-hour podcast scheduled. You pay me X amount, and I can natively interject your brand into it. And I'll obviously tell the guests, but then there's also the fear, and you could probably relate to this. I don't want my conversation getting diluted by having to run right conversation in that so mm-hmm. how does that work i don't have the final answers but that's how i've been thinking more about podcast advertising because i pre-roll mid-roll and end-roll can't be it
1: right so are you saying use their product so if it's kelly starrett he has his product you're going to talk about his or are you saying so bring I, it bring it up third party
0: i'd bring a third party somebody can't get who, who, kelly, cool. who kelly starrett won't fuck with yep cool like Kelly Surratt's like, yeah, you better pay me fucking 20 grand. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. And I'm like, cool, you can pay me seven. Like,
1: yeah. You know? Yeah. That's very interesting. Cash. Yeah. So yeah. That, I think there's something there for sure. And the listener can, if both people are talking about it positively and they're both on board and they believe in the product uh, way better than skipping ahead. Cause everybody knows that uh, shows with long intros, Tim Ferriss does a great show, but his intros in the, in the beginning, you just skip forward seven minutes and you know, you're going to start the show after that. Yeah, and
0: end roll is the word, like the fact that any advertisers pay for end roll It's like, okay, do you remember, like, banner ads back in the day? Like, click the X? Like, that's what I look at current podcast advertising. But it's, uh, you know, I was talking to a very smart guy, a guy I use for his business coach. His name is Joe Tobaldi. He owns a company called Flex. And I I asked Joe, I said, how do you think I should handle the advertising for the long-form podcast? And he goes, man, I think you should stick with what the industry is doing because it's monetizable. It's been proven. It's been, you know, whatever whatever you're talking about that's new while well, i think it might have legs you might have some messy scenarios like what happens if you start talking to miranda Alvarez about a certain topic and then you have to start randomly injecting this one supplement and you're gonna have to let her know ahead of time that you gotta you know, hey listen our conversation mm-hmm. i like so there's uh, this is not a clean solution by any means but i think mm-hmm. it's we're at least in the, the neighborhood of some kind of native intra role is what i'd call it like built-in conversational advertising.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot because what most people, I think most companies are looking for is they want to know they want to know your downloads. They want to see that you have, you know, each episode is like 100,000 plus downloads and like not many people can say that they have right. that. So uh, including myself. So I yeah. think at, at that point, yeah, like you said, smaller players get a chance to promote. Yeah.
0: And, and to move on, you, we're essentially just having our own little business podcast which is fucking, it's cool for me. That's two
1: interviewers right there having, you know, that's, that's our style.
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> if we let's talk about the art of the podcast for the, the gym owner, right? You guys and did your owner, the owner of your gym, was he gung ho about this idea or did you have to sell him on it?
1: No, he, he was all about it. Especially when I told him we were going to put the name of the gym in the podcast.
0: Yeah. Nice. Now sold on it, in the fact that like, good. Cause I sure as fuck I'm not doing it, but if DJ's all about it, great. Was he more excited about like, yeah, I can see the validity of the idea, but I'm not going to do it myself. But like if DJ, if you weren't there, do you think he would have
1: kicked off a podcast? No, no, hundred percent, no. This is this is my idea. I from the jump, I've always gotten my content from listening to podcasts. I listen, I listen to a podcast every single day, and that's what got me kind of going on this track. Was like, man, if I'm listening to one every single day, why wouldn't I kind of get into the field? That was two a little over two years ago now. So that's that's how things got started, um, and that kind of just like stirred everything up and got to hundred plus episodes now.
0: Who's a like who are your favorite, like from an interview, like learning, not like they always had the best guests or like, but who do you think is really the most craftful interviewer of that you listen to? Uh,
1: I would have to say Michael Casio again, just because I love, um, I love his vulnerability. I love the way he asks questions. He's very direct Uh, and and we kind of have similar um, hobbies and interests and his Podcast in the beginning, they started with a lot of athletes, coaches it was very CrossFit centered. And then as he grew, as the podcast grew, he started to really reach out to people that just that weren't just in the CrossFit space. And he got, you know, more Ted speakers and people from around the world, authors, writers, and I've kind of slowly done that as well and try to learn from what he has been doing. He's been doing, I think over 300 shows. I'm just over a hundred, but in my 105 shows, I've done the same thing. I started very small. I interviewed people in Minneapolis and then started to just, uh, you know, start with the crossfit world because that's what i know best and now it's kind of had a bigger outreach over the last two years
0: it's you know i think there's i'm always again from the business perspective i always believe you got two businesses inside of you the one that you built and you you do it well you better fucking do it well it better be successful and then i believe there's the one that's that exists after you've done it successfully which is essentially coaching other people on how to podcast there's a company called um Toastmasters. you yep. familiar with Toastmasters? Yeah. Yep. Uh, public speaking? You got it. Yeah. That's a skill set. Mm-hmm. I don't know off the top of my head. I couldn't name the podcast version of Toastmasters. I mean, do you do you know what that I mean have you do you know what that is? I don't. Yeah, I mean like there needs to be one mm-hmm. and it, it does it need to be tim ferris teaching it to the top one per the top uh 10 percent of podcasts to get them to the top one that's that's to be a high ticket dollar price or is there more opportunity in guys like you or me who have ascended to this mediocre level and teaching the ton the bottom at the very bottom that would how to get started that kind of scenario i just always look at it it's like your your successful business has two businesses in it the one you actually created and then a second business, which is teaching that to other people, and that's yeah. truly the ascension. Because at some point, now podcasting is so passive; you could be 80 years old and still do this. You know, actually, probably really, probably even better at 80 years old. Sure, you know, so more much wise, <laughs> yeah, so much more wise. But yeah, that's always been really interesting to me. Is like what what does that look like uh, in terms of developing interviewers, the art of the interview? Like think of the guys like you know uh, Diane Sawyer's, mm-hmm. right? I mean, do my favorite David Letterman show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. My next guest needs no interruption. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, absolutely. Interview
1: style. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a lot of things to pick up on people that it, like. For me, I, I learn by listening to other shows. So Michael Cashew is somebody that I look up to. I kind of model a lot of what he does when it comes to interviewing. Yeah. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I learned very early on was don't interrupt your guests. Sure. Don't fucking do it because they're, uh, you are having them on to tell their story. Nothing bothers me more than when I listen to a podcast and the guest talks more, or sorry, the interviewer talks more than the guest. It just drives me nuts. So I knew from the, from, from the get-go when I started my show that that was one thing I was always going to stand by was let them talk more than I talk. And that's, that's not anything crazy out of this world nobody's ever heard before, but it's something I'll always stand by and something that when people DM me about advice on starting a show, that's what I say first. Let your speaker talk more than you talk talk
0: yeah well and and not only that it's it's one of those things where I believe in an interview that is thousand percent the scenario like you had this person on let them talk kind of scenario I think there's a transcendence in conversation like I think if you and me are sitting there let's um you drink
1: beer a little bit a little bit, <laughs> not okay. as much as you
0: <laughs> okay much. okay um we go and we go grab a beer and yeah. we're talking shop back and forth I think of it like You only don't interject as you would a polite conversation because the one thing I get scared of, and maybe this is just me, but these are obviously interviews. I don't think interviews are as interesting as conversations. Like I think about like if there's a young podcaster coming up in the CrossFit space and he's listened to a few of mine, he's listened to a few of yours. You know Mm what he'd probably like to hear more than anything? What would Stu and DJ say if they went and got coffee or beer together? Like what would the actual Mm -hmm. conversation? Because interviews are generally topic-based. Okay, so now you're in a box. You're instantly in a box. Conversations are not topic-based. Conversations go fucking anywhere. You and me can be talking about this, and then we're like, oh, my God, look at that over there. Like, whatever. They could go anywhere. And I guess like I've always had that thought because I, I don't think I'm good at interviewing. I don't think I'm – like, I think I'm good at conversating with people. I don't think I'm great at interviewing. And when I was thinking of this long-form one, I was like, should I do this? Is this even good?" I'm like, I don't know. I could suck dick at this. I have no idea. I'm going to find out really quick whether I'm any good at it at all. Right. But, I really, I I really I don't know. I maybe what are your thoughts on that? The difference between an interview and a conversation.
1: Yeah, this is a good topic. And my thoughts are that there's a fine line. And I think there it needs to be the conversation needs to be organic in a way, not a sense where like you're you're reading your questions and people know that it's question, answer, question, answer. And that's the to me, that's the art of interviewing, being able to ask the question, they're responding, and in your mind, you have your next question ready, but you also have a follow-up of their answer that could also be ready as well. And I think that is the challenging far part for people to get down when it comes to interviewing is you have to be ready for the next one. Cause they could give you a shitty three word answer. Stu. And if they do that, you got to be like, next question, we're moving on. Or if they give you a long answer, they do something, they, you know, they like the topic. You got to be able to respond and follow up with that. There's two different ways to go about it. And yeah. in, one, in my mind, one is an interview. One is a conversation.
0: And, and one, you know, they give you this shitty three word answer. I'd be like, oh, no, that's not good enough. Like, mm-hmm. I need you to elaborate on that. Can you give me more? And I also, I guess maybe the interview, I always, I'm always grateful when anyone takes an hour of their time or me however too. long to talk to me on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, Absolutely. It's eternal gratefulness mm-hmm. on that because we are all very busy. I don't care what mm-hmm. you're doing in life. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I also feel that my job is not necessarily to show, It's not, I show respect to the, to the guest, but my job is to put them in a position where if I ask a question that they've been asked before and they give me the same answer that they've given someone else, I'm not doing my job. Like I really feel my job is for the listener to feel like they got two degrees deeper on that mm-hmm. person to a more deeper layer than they did the last time they heard. Because guess what? There are people listen to MyFit and WTF Gym Talk that have listened to us because of our guest, not because of you and me, right? Correct. But the only thing that makes someone hit subscribe is if they listen to your questions, they're like, I've listened to Kelly Starrett on seven podcasts, but he was the first one to ever let not let Kelly get away with that answer and go deeper in on it. And I've always mm-hmm. wondered how it was he did this and this guy asked it. Mm-hmm. So it, that's a, it's a weird line to draw.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, it's definitely a line because you don't want to interject too much, but they also want, you want to create a following where people like you. And that's something that I'm trying to get, get into a little bit as well. Cause in the beginning it was, I let my guests talk pretty much the whole time I didn't interject. And then I would have kind of fans or members of the gym be like, Hey, we'd like to hear more from you. Or like, would you ever do a solo podcast? Or like, you know, why don't you speak up more? And maybe that was just me not, not being as confident or comfortable in the beginning, but now I've gotten to a point where I've really been able to say things like, yes, uh, Stu, I really resonate with that. This is why, and I can kind of share some of my experiences. So if, if somebody's listening to the show and they're, they're trying to figure out like, man, I'm kind of awkward in conversation, or I don't know how I would be able to create conversation. I think one simple takeaway is use some of the conversation and try to relate to some examples that you have in your life. That's an easy way for you guys to create more conversation. You know, if you have a subject, Hey, this, that same thing happened to me. This was my situation. Past experiences can really help create more of a flow and organic conversation.
0: I, I think also in uh, you're a thousand percent correct. And then it's also having the, the stones to when you disagree with someone fucking say it like just, never in the history of, well, I can't say that. I guarantee you very few occasions. Have you ever disagreed with a guest on a podcast and they're like, no interview over click. Yep. Like, right. especially at the, the level of end inter- of people that we're going to be interviewing you interview Conor McGregor. Yeah. He might tell you to go fist himself. You fist <laughs> yourself. I mean, he, he doesn't <laughs> like that. You don't like, you know, uh, uh, what's his shitty? Whiskey? His whiskey, right? Yeah. yeah. What's his? What was it? What's his shitty um, whiskey name? Fuck. I need a young Jamie is what I need. I I need a young Jamie to look that shit up is what I need. Anyone listening to this who wants to come work for the long form (laughs) podcast, let me know. Um, But like, that's the kind of thing. I think we will be in our ecosystem until uh, guys like at our, our pedigree break out of this, the niche that we've put ourselves in, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I I think most people will welcome a conversation where there's a difference of opinion. I just, I was on the best hour of their day podcast. I don't know if you know those guys, Jason Ackerman. And I've heard uh, a couple. they're huge in the crossfit scene. Like they are mm-hmm. the most devout. I mean, they are so pro crossfit. It's insane. And they've had me on their podcast twice and mm-hmm. most people peg me as the non crossfit guy. Yeah, and how did that always,
1: go?
0: It, it goes awesome. Every yeah. time they yeah. literally, like we have, we have, we have uh, disagreements and it, it's not a, it's not a big deal whatsoever. Like I even mm-hmm. created a segment of the show called I may be wrong, but I doubt it where I invited mm-hmm. people on to debate topics. Cause I think disagreements way more interesting than when I, when you agree with somebody,
1: Mm -hmm. Especially that one, the one you do with Dr. Sean, I'm sure you got a lot of hits on that. That was an awesome show. You guys respectfully disagreed. Yeah. Yeah. People like, people like seeing that. And another thing too, when I'm interviewing somebody is I I always try to listen to a lot of podcasts that they've been on recently. And like you said before, don't ask them the same stuff they've always been asked. So I got Marcus Philly coming on in two weeks. All, all everybody asks him is what is functional bodybuilding? What are your macros? Like all these basic stuff. So I'm going to take that information. I'm going to trash it and let's, let's get deeper diving into, you know, what are, what's your philosophy? on fitness and let's take a deeper step into not the basic question of tell us what functional bodybuilding is because he gets that question every freaking day a
0: thousand percent i literally had marcus on was the last week
1: yeah, and yeah yeah yeah
0: and and my biggest thing was obviously selfishly um me and marcus are in this like this non-mastermind mastermind group kind of thing and i i selfishly was like bro i want to talk to you about this tempo element of your shit. Cause I'm punching that out now, right now. And I want to hear your take on it. I consider you one of the experts of it. Um, you know, would you recommend CrossFit to people today? Like, you know, again, you you nailed it. Like it's, you gotta do your research. It's a big part of the fucking gig, Huge. do your research on the individual. Um, and the recent pie, I think that's a great tip. Let me ask you this. Let's just get into some geeked out shit. Mm-hmm. What do you use to host your podcast?
1: Um, so I have uh, there's a member of the gym. His name is Tony. He is all teched out he's uh he builds computers so i have him do everything on the tech side of things but my setup is uh is pretty bare right i have a focus right here that i plug my headphones into that goes into my computer i record on zoom once i'm done i download it put it to google drive it sends off to him and then he puts everything together and then puts it out but we use a website called buzzsprout yeah that sure. that yeah it puts our episodes all together and then from there it kicks out to all the platforms Yeah, it gets
0: on the rss feed and just gets it going yeah very 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 cool it's you know i've been a big fan of anchor i jumped on anchor early on especially when i saw uh the twitter founder fucking invest in it i was like oh this isn't going anywhere anytime soon and Mm -hmm. um it's it's been a great like anyone listening that's looking to kick off a podcast and that's how i started yeah Mm -hmm. i would you know look into anchor to as your starter and i mean I've, i've never switched off of it um But uh, it's interesting. Podcasting can be as minimalist as you want it to be. But I think now, like, I, I still get guys on for the interview for the podcast. And I hate, I fucking hate when they don't have good audio. I can't stay. I know that's to I know it's gonna champ your dick. I know that's to got, got champ your dick.
1: I got that in your notes on I don't know if you know this, but when you sign up to, I've got an uh,
0: auto response <laughs> that goes out to you guys. I'm like, yeah, don't have shitty fucking <laughs> like get a goddamn mic, like blah blah blah. I have good internet. Like uh, yeah, a uh, hundred
1: I I, I I read that in your voice and I'm like, Man, that's awesome. I need to have that in my in my calendar yeah. But yes, of, of course I think audio is number one. And sometimes when you have guests on, like if they don't have a podcast or things like that, they might not have the microphone set up and 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 the opportunity to have a nice setup, but you damn well better have a good microphone and a good microphone. doesn't have to be super expensive. Like these ones are from the guys at my muscle project sent me, sent me these are two.
0: Technica There's the audio yeah. Technica, the same ones I'm rocking right now. They're 200 bucks,
1: 200 bucks on Amazon. I mean, you don't have to break the bank on this. And I think I have met somebody who went uh, on, on, on the internet and looked up Joe Rogan's, uh, he has it all spelled out everything you can buy that he used and he bought it all. And it was, I don't know how much money it was, but now he doesn't have a podcast and you're just like, if only you would have just started a little bit, you know, smaller, you wouldn't have wasted so much money. So I think just, just to try to give people tips, if they're looking to get into the, into the game, you don't have to break your bank.
0: I had somebody send me, so I told somebody I was doing the long form and they said, it might be the same. It was a blog article where some cat who's been, you know, following the Rogan podcast forever it had literally broken down every piece of equipment he'd ever seen on Jamie's Instagram. And I, what I was interested in were chairs. Cause if I'm going to have people in my studio for three oh, hours, sure. you better have a comfortable fucking chair. The chairs that Rogan uses are a thousand bucks a piece. And I thought I was a baller. Cause I spent like four fifty per chair. I'm like, Oh, look at me. And I'm like a thousand dollars a chair. Get the fuck out of here. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, um, dude. That's that, <laughs> to, to me. That's like a new CrossFitter coming in and then following the "What is Rich doing" program because it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, what the hell are you doing, man? You, exactly. we, need to, we need to learn how to do a pull-up first. One
0: hundred percent. Go watch Joe Rogan episode 001 Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and and you'll you'll be very. You'll see that it doesn't take much. Right. It, it's you know really interesting as I think about you and your your come up through this. You're you're kind of like I was. I was like nobody knows who I am. I'm not important. I am. I always joke around like for my college, like hazing pledging days, like you're lower than pond scum, right? (laughs) Like why the fuck would anyone want to get on your podcast? You know, I remember reaching out to guys like Alex Hermosey and you know, who's, you know, you would, maybe an ego driven dude, maybe like he's got, you know, some clout. And I'm like, why would he ever want to come on my podcast? Like I didn't get, how did you get over that? Who was your first interviewee that you were like, I'm scared shitless to send this DM or like, I just the fear, you had fear of rejection.
1: That's funny. Um, let me think here. It might have been James Hobart, and that and it was. It's funny because I have met James before. I've worked out with him a few times, but I was still nervous and didn't know, you know, if he would come on the show. And it was it, funny, Stu, because I was nervous about it first, kind of big guest. And to this day, two years later, that's my most downloaded episode. So it just goes to show that even though you are and could be a little bit nervous about getting somebody on, one, the worst thing you can hear is no, and dude, I've gotten no's. I've gotten dozens of no's and that's okay. It's just not a good time or they have other things going on. But even if you do get a yes and you're nervous about it, it could be your biggest show yet. So don't let it like, don't let it distract you from making it a good interview.
0: How did you get the, how did you get the ask? What, how did, what, what what was your method?
1: So I've, yeah, this is a good question too. So, so over the last two years, I've used, um, Referrals, so ha- having somebody ask them for me. I've done that format. I've done the DMs, and I've done the emails. By far and away, the best way to get a hold of somebody is their email. The, they just don't check DMs very often, especially if they have a huge following on Instagram. So, if you can get an email, i.e., either through their website or you know through a contact form that somebody else may have, to me that's how I've, I have found the most success of getting people like you know your Kelly Starrett, your Jason Kalipas, Mark Bell's, things like that. Who's the one guest you're still chasing? Um like if like
0: someone you've at you've tried to and it just either they said no or it just wasn't good timing. But like if you could pick one guest for 2021, who would it
1: be? Holy crap. Um from a CrossFit standpoint, I'd love to interview Noah Olson just because I've always been a fan of him and I think uh you know he's kind of on the up and up right now. I think whether Frazier competes or not, I think Noah's gonna be right there and he'd be an awesome person uh to talk to. Um let's see. Yeah, I think I'm just thinking the CrossFit space. Like, it'd be awesome to talk to a guy like Rich. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. I've, think I've, been, more people. I've
0: been, I've been in a text message chase down with fucking Ryan Fisher. Oh, nice. So, I, he actually gave me his number. We've been t- like, I've been chasing him down. He was just, I saw on his Instagram, he's in South Carolina. I'm just like, fuck. I anyone listening to this right now, if you can get me in closer contact with Ryan Fisher so I can have him on the podcast, please let me fucking know. Do you know the-
1: who can? Mark Marcus can. Have Marcus introduce you.
0: It, are First, they tight? Yeah, they're boys. Okay. I'll, right. I will I'll reach out. I was going to have him or I was talking with Kalipa the other day. I meant to ask him for that too. But yeah. Like, there are certain guys that you just, I just don't have the the reach on. There's just, it's not big enough yet. And that's, it's such an interesting thing because I've had, uh, I'm talking literally, I've had a gym that just started a podcast and maybe like 17 other gym members listen to it, send a DM be like, I know you're going to say no already, but I figured I just had to ask. Will you come? I'm like, yeah, of course I will. Yeah. A fucking I, course I, I would I say,
1: I would say first don't lead with that. So that's another thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm very particular Bad opener. <laughs> yeah. I know you probably don't want to buy this personal training because it's yeah. so expensive, but, it, but would you
1: maybe? Right. And I think there's, there is an art too, Stu, with how you ask these people, right? Like, How you craft your email? Don't make it super long. They don't have time to read this really long email. Start with who you are, who you interview, what you do. Uh, Maybe if you can include something that you have received value from them. So for you, when I emailed you, I said, "Dude, I've listened to literally every fucking thing that you've ever put out. I've listened to everything, and I told you a couple things that I've done with some of my staff members. That helps create a little bit of like, okay, this guy knows who I am. Or if I have an author on, I'll be like, hey, I just ordered your book. I'd love to talk to you about it, etc., etc. Use some of that so you can create a little bit of a conversation so they don't think you're just some joe schmoe who randomly got their email
0: correct and also if you have a unique angle you want to take with them right like if you have a completely unique angle that you want to hit um you know, for me, like with Fisher, it was this, it's this entire idea of the what I call like the infopreneur or someone who's literally created like street parking, like Marcus, they've created an amazing what I call a company of one. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, it's an absolutely insane on numbers. If you just showed probably the numbers of Ryan Fisher's or street parking or functional bodybuilding, and you didn't say what it was, you just showed it to a bunch of guys that had got their MBA from Brown or guys that are tr- hedge fund traders, and you showed them the numbers, they'd be like, that's yeah, pretty fucking impressive. What do they do? And mm-hmm. then you told them they sell workout ideas on the internet, and to be like, the fuck? They do what? They put workouts on words on paper and put it, those papers on the internet. There's, re- I mean, there's some media sometimes, but that's essentially it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's an amazing business that those guys have created, and it, it blows me away.
1: Yep, hundred percent. I agree.
0: Uh, Where you? Let me ask you this. Content wise you are obviously you prefer audio, you couple your audio with video, right? Mm -hmm. And that's obviously because you have to get reach on Instagram. (laughs) Do you like video though?
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm a one man show, right? So I I only have enough time in the day to kind of you know, make this whole thing go. So I do have the audio that goes out every Tuesday. And then what I try to do is during that week, I try to get three pieces of content from that interview. So Tuesday, the show comes out Wednesday, I'll put out a picture of the guest with a quote Thursday. I'll do a video, like a video recording of what we're doing, where the, where the guest talks for one or two minutes, just to try to sucker some people in. And I try to hit those bang, 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 as soon as the episode comes out. And then maybe I'll put something out later in the week again new show comes on Tuesday, new thing goes again. And every week I'm just trying to get as much outreach as I can. And I've basically right now posting three days a week. So you essentially
0: have created your own system there that if you could, if I gave you the, the $10 an hour monkey to go ahead and do this, you'd be able to say, okay, here, here's how I do it. Here's mm-hmm. the system. I've already made the sausage a hundred times now. And now anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that at that time where you're going to give like an, like if for like an intern, like be like, go to, go to Andrew, be like, bro, could we please give someone a comp membership if they do this bitch work for me for a couple, like three days a
1: week? Yeah. hundred percent. If it wasn't that it would be what you, um, prescribe to people, uh, t- tell me the company's name again, overseas that you use uh,
0: video Husky or yeah, video Husky.
1: Yep. Yeah. I-, I think I would lean more towards that just because yep. they specialize more in that kind of stuff. And yep. then it's, then it's out of house. and I don't have to work with somebody that's that's in the gym and try to chase them down. So that would probably be my next move. Uh, if I were to make one for the content creation side of things. Content
0: has to evolve over time, just like businesses do. On a long enough timeline, businesses evolve, businesses rebrand or reposition. How do you see your podcast? your podcast is how many years old now?
1: Two. We just turned two today, Stu. Okay.
0: So 50 episodes almost per year is essentially what you're churning, right? Yep. Which is amazing. It's, almost one, it's pretty much one a week, almost. Yeah,
1: yep. We're at one of four right wow.
0: now. Very impressive. What, what's the evolution of the content? Do you look at Now, again, there's two schools of thought on this no, Stu, I'm not going to evolve it. I'm just going to continue doing the same thing, just better, 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 better. Or do you look to an evolution? And I don't believe there's one or one strategy that's right or wrong. I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. So I want to keep doing what I'm doing and make sure that, number one, I'm staying consistent. That's like my, my cornerstone. Number one is that I don't miss a week and I'm always bringing in fresh content, new guests. And then, yeah, down the road, that is the evolution, is figuring out, is this does it turn into a video podcast? Does it also go on YouTube? Do people want to do people want to watch the interview? Or is it more about uh, like you're doing traveling? Is that is that something that people want to see? Do they want to see you go to other gyms? I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it. I'm still trying to figure out where I fit. And then also like, what are the numbers you have to reach in order for you to do some of those things, right? Like, yeah, I've had amazing guests on the show and I've grown from zero followers over to 50,000, but at what point, at w- what level do you have to get to, to be able to be kind of a boss and be able to go travel and do some of these other things and, and hire people under you and, and move towards the barbell shrug of the world?
0: Yeah. I think I recommended to you last time the that book company of one by Paul Jarvis. Um, if I, if I didn't, you, you it's perfect for you. So like you're you one did. man what show is... media wise. So yeah. am I, I did two and a half years of a videographer and an editor. It was very expensive. You're talking about like 35 plus grand per year, which is mm-hmm. still not even, it's not a lot of money for those guys. Um, And then in 2019, I decided, nope, I'm going to go do everything myself. One-man show, fucking everything. So uh, if I do a podcast at the gym, I set up two, three cameras, I'm running the audio, all that shadow, all the editing myself, minus anything I give the video, Husky. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much big fat margin for guys in that space to do this. And, 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 but you do a lot of work, but if you enjoy the creation, which I, I believe you're a true creative, I truly mm-hmm. believe like you really enjoy this. Like I, nothing gets me off more. Like if I sit here with a glass of whiskey and I've got, uh, 180 gigs of raw footage and I dump it on my computer and I crack my nuts and I'm like, all right, I'm doing an all night. I'm gonna going to edit this thing, <laughs> bro. When I wake up, when the sun's coming up, I've got a buzz on it. I haven't slept, but I've. But what's done is a nine-minute vlog that's fucking cool as hell. or At least I think so. Yeah. I literally feel like I just gave birth. Yeah. Like it's just like this, the most rewarding feeling in the fucking world. i yeah. love you're, it. You're, you're
1: you're damn good at it, man. By the way, your, your stuff is awesome, and it, it, you can Thank see you. your evolution too. Like even your camera and the way, like because since I followed you on on YouTube for so long, sometimes your old videos will pop up like two oh, yeah, three yeah, years yeah. ago. So funny to see like the difference, man. And I think that that's it too. Like you, as your show evolves, you're going to evolve too and grow into, you know, the new technology or whatever, whatever that's going to be. And, and in the beginning, I was just my, all my Instagram was, was every Tuesday was the show. And now it's okay. Can I get another clip? Okay. Can I get, um, um, uh, uh, a quote that they say, and just trying to create more outreach, more outreach, more outreach, and trying to figure out what else can I do to, uh, yeah, reach more people.
0: If you, again, I asked you this in the beginning, but I want to ask a more direct version of the question. Do you want to coach forever? Uh, uh, you're, so you're 28 now, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to be coaching when, and let's just go ahead and go five years into the future. Do you want to be coaching at 33?
1: Probably not as much like right now. I'm the kind of the, the face of the company. Yeah. If you want. I don't really like saying that, but I know you understand what I mean yes, when, I, do. when I say that and, and being the, the director of training. And, and so I take a lot of pride in that. And I let, and I love to be within the sport five years from now. Probably not. That's probably not where, not where I will be. Um, you know, probably you most
0: coaches in. would agree with that. You think there are most diehard coaches, even not even ones that don't have the podcast associated with their coaching. Mm-hmm. What do you, what's the timeline you think for the average coach that how long do they want to be in it? Cause there's very few Mike Bergner's of the world that are going to coach forever. very few James Fitzgerald's of the world. Most people want to have transcendence in their career. What do you think that timeline is full-time coach? How long are you in it? Or is it not how long it's when you hit this age? and you have the marriage variable or the house buying variable or the kid variable. Like, what do you think that is?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things that come to my mind. The first one is, is, is money. And this is what uh, Dr. Sean does such a great job with his uh, active, life turn pro and all that talking about, you know, how much money are that you guys paying your coaches? And I know you've talked about this as well. So I think first it's, it's decided by Do you make enough to have a family, have kids and do those things as a coach? If you don't, I think the writing is going to be on the wall very early, probably in your early twenties to know this is just a short time gig. Now, if you have the ability to grow within your company, like I have, or get to a salary, um, then I think possibilities will open up a little bit more and you can th- see yourself long-term what we've seen at our gym is that when people a couple of the coaches do get a little bit older they step away from the classes and they do more personal training and look to more education side of things so one of our coaches uh chris he is now doing only coaches two classes a week does a ton of pt and he also is now a professor teaching um personal training 101 at a local college so i think maybe the just your job title changes a little bit but he's still in, within the fitness industry
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I always thought about when I first kicked off WTF, it was 2015. I was like, you know, I wasn't coaching. It was a different scenario because I wasn't working in the gym really anymore. But I, I always thought about like how much money would I need to do in this before I tell people this was my job or career. And in your scenario, like the thing that happens to me in my head, I instantly go to is how much money does DJ need to make with the podcast in order to walk away from the coaching part? And, and that kind of scenario, if you, if you, now let me ask you, you engage, marry, girlfriend, anything?
1: Girlfriend. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: How long have you been dating?
1: Two and a half years.
0: Okay. You got, you got some time. You got some mm-hmm. time. Um, but there, the timeline, the clock's ticking though. It's like, it's Absolutely. like one of those things where you probably, you got, I got to imagine you're starting to think now, like, all right, how do I, I want to make X amount of money per month how does this podcast get me there? Cause I can see it in my head already with the gym. I'd have to coach this many classes, do this many PT clients, blase, blase, blase. Been there, done that. It's cool. I just don't want to be doing it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, have you had that conversation internally or with her? Or like, you know, your trusted inner circle.
1: Yeah, um, not really. At this point, it was trying to uh, establish ourselves more at the gym. So she works at the gym as well, general manager, we both got to a point where we are salaried and happy with where we're at, which is a really big step in the CrossFit space. I think you know this as well, um, that it's hard to pay coaches enough for them, like I said, to stick around and make it a damn career. It's usually just $20 an hour. And it's a kid that just got out of college or something like that. So ma- being able to make the coach a professional uh, is a big step. And we were just so happy that we were able to get to that level. And that kind of just happened recently in the last year here. So kind of just getting our feet wet in that situation and seeing where it goes. Um, but just more thankful than anything, because I know a lot of coaches out there that are putting in crazy hours and making 28 grand a year and you're like how the hell are you going to do this when you decide to have a kid or decide to get married you and your chick work together
0: what's that like
1: it's awesome um it's awesome because tell uh, me the
0: part i want to talk about the parts that aren't fucking awesome dj because there's parts of that that have to be tough
1: yeah. Um, you know, the, the one thing that really works well for us is she's pretty much there in the mornings. I'm there in the afternoons. Ah, you
0: got an AM PM shift. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we, we do split it and we're, we're both very passionate about the gym. We want to see it grow. We kind of see it as in it's in our hands. We do have the owner, Andrew, but he's not, he's not there all the time. He's kind of given us a lot of responsibility. So we enjoy what we do. We have a lot of passion. And I think the hardest parts too, is when we get, and this is a totally different conversation, but getting home at the end of the day and not talking about work. And yeah, so it's yeah. so, easy to do that. And yeah. we've, that's something that her and I are working on is just once we get home or once it hits seven o'clock, we're done talking about members programming, etc. And like, let's just focus on being with each other.
0: Yeah, no, a thousand percent. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of couples would love to find hobbies that they enjoy that also can be lucrative type scenario. And also there's obviously, you know, it's Just how humans are in general. It could be your best friend. It could be your mm. girlfriend. It could be your wife. Whatever. You spend enough time with anybody, you, you find the things that annoy. You. Like with the first time you move in with your chick, and it's like, "Oh wow, you do that?" Hmm. hmm. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, I wish I, I would have know. known that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, those uh, things come. Those things come and go. But yeah, it's, yeah uh, hopefully yeah, they're yeah. not too big. You gonna get married? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hoping, Good. hoping, hoping soon here. Um, you wanna have a
0: family, kids?
1: Yeah, we definitely want to have kids. And, and, uh, you know, the number one priority was making sure that we felt established in our careers and at the gym. And we made that step and thankfully Andrew's able to do that. So now we can kind of look forward into those, to ne- those next steps. Did you steps. guys
0: ever think about opening a second location under the owner or getting some ownership in it or doing at your own location?
1: That's a question I get asked a lot about like, dude, why don't you own the gym? Why don't you get ownership? And I have a really great gig of what I do right now. And res- and respectfully, I don't have my ass on the line. If something happens to the gym, I'm able to walk in, I'm able to do my thing and I'm able to walk out. My name's not on the, on the title at all. And that's kind of a nice feeling to have um, something against Andrew and what he does. We're very thankful for the gym he's put together, but I'm in a pretty nice role. We both are where we uh, yeah, we don't have our asses on the line, if that makes sense.
0: hundred percent. And you're, you're also able to see something as hobbyist turned serious, more side hustle, passion project, like the podcast. And you're able to see like, Oh my God, all you got to do is take this laptop and I can close it. And that's it. And there's no overhead, you know, outside of my gear, my travel and my time and, and things like that. Um, that's why I think that book company of one would be, would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. For you Cause, cause that's something that, you know, you know, okay. Minnesota is that, or is that home like born and raised? Yep. Do you want to get out?
1: Uh, no, not, not anytime soon. I love yeah? it here. Yeah, you like, other, you like the cold? other than other than the cold, we're supposed to get six inches tonight. So Fuck. other than that, other than that, it's it's uh it's fine. <laughs> Dude,
0: I so I went there one time to go meet with uh Mike Jones and go. Oh yeah, 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 Alchemy, yeah, yeah, and go check out his spots and yeah. uh you know R I P. They lo- they lost they had to shutter two locations yeah. and Mike recently actually stepped down as the CEO. Um and and it changes if there's pivoting like any business, mm-hmm. um but. Uh, I remember going there and I remember walking in and someone, I didn't dress for it. I'm an idiot. Like I'm, I'm you in to Charlotte, winter? but I used to live in Cleveland. Like I should know better. Yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. fucking idiot and I wasn't <laughs> dressed. And I remember the Uber telling me, he's like, bro, <laughs> this dude, he's like, bro, there's two kinds of jackets out there. There's winter jackets and there's Minnesota jackets. Cause you know what happens when you come to Minnesota, they bitch slap your regular winter jacket. And like the way he said, it was just so comical. I was like, this guy's amazing five yeah, stars tip five done. stars i need to and look, that get doesn't, a minnesota jacket
1: and usually minnesota it's minnesota nice right so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that that's that's rare but that's awesome <laughs> yeah
0: um well listen dj this is i i really enjoyed this it's it's fun chopping it up with somebody else who who absolutely talks and converses with people i i really i'm going to continue to watch and follow along and see how you continue to to evolve this thing and i'm, I'm thank you I'm I'm super in a weird way. I'm super proud of the work you've done because I just I, I know what it's like to be like I'm gonna do this thing and everyone's like Who gives a fuck? Who's gonna listen? Who's gonna care? And to watch, to watch the names and the people you've got on there, uh, I was literally what I was thinking for the long form, I was doing the same thing you talked about. Who can I get a referral on? And I was mm-hmm. like, Fuck! Deej has interviewed some primo. Guest. I need Absolutely. to go through him and get some referrals on some yep. of these amazing people he's talked yep. to. But um, if anyone is inspired by this to the point where they're thinking of doing a podcast, whether it be for their gym, and I know we need to get into the business aspect of uh, my because I know it's not like you're doing a lot of local B two B stuff in there. No, but
1: but that, but that is where we started, right? Like yeah. my first twenty episodes were ther- um, you know muscle therapists and okay. n- nutrition coaches, people that were in Minneapolis, and I I wanted to start there before we got any bigger. And I think I, I would say that for advice for people that are. Making are trying to get into the game too. Start really small with the people within your community, state, county, whatever, and then branch out as you get bigger.
0: Yeah, because I, w- I would probably say, and I-, I bet you Andrew could probably agree with this, and you could self admittedly say this. Your podcast going after the individuals you interview doesn't generate revenue for the gym necessarily. Like if you would have gone a hundred episodes B two B local Minneapolis or whatever the fuck you guys call them, St. Pauliites or whatever, <laughs> like you would have had probably a lot more business come in the gym on a B2B, small B2C model as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But if anyone's listening to this and they do, they got questions podcasting, I think you're definitely one of the top guys to ask, how can they get Thank in contact you. with you?
1: Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at DJ Hillier or uh, the MyFit podcast on Instagram as well. And unlike some of those big names, I'll check my DMs and, and I'll get back to you. I get, I get questions every week about I'm looking to start a show, you know, what should I do? And, uh, yeah, if I have the the tech questions or answers, I can, I'd love to help you out.
0: Yeah. He wanted to chase you down. Like I have to do with Brian Fisher, <laughs> yeah, Brian right. Fisher answered my text messages. <laughs> All right. Uh, DJ, thank you so much, man.
1: Thanks man. Appreciate it.